it is a, it's an honor to be with you this morning. Before we start, I just want to take a moment. I, I just felt as we were singing that song earlier about God being bigger, God just really spoke into my heart that, that if you're here this morning, you're just going through something. Can I just tell you, God's bigger than what you're going through. It, it doesn't matter where you find yourself at. I think Josh mentioned maybe it's financial, maybe it's sickness, maybe it's just a struggle in your home, but but God just kept resonating my spirit this morning. He's, he's just bigger. And I think that sometimes we allow our stuff uh, to be bigger than Him. Amen? I think sometimes we allow our, our stuff to, uh, to cloud out that, that God's got this. If we'll just trust Him, He's got this. So I'll tell you what I want to do. I just, I just want to have a word of prayer. And uh, if you're here this morning and that's where you're at, you're just, um, maybe you're a visitor, maybe you're here every Sunday, maybe you've come here for years. Uh, it, we all go through stuff. And you just find yourself here this morning, and you're just going through some stuff. I just want to pray for you. Amen? Can we do that? Let's just bow our heads, and let's just pray. And, and if that's where you're at, I just want to encourage you this morning. God's bigger. Amen? God's bigger this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the presence of your spirit we feel here today. But, God, we thank you that you're bigger. Because, God, you're bigger when we don't feel it. God, you're bigger when we don't see it. God, you're bigger when we don't sense it. And so, Lord, I just pray this morning, I, I feel a burden in my heart, God, that there are some folks here who are just going through some tough stuff right now. And, Lord, I just pray that, God, you would show up in their lives in a, in a big way, God. And, God, would, you would begin to maneuver and move the circumstances around. And, God, that in the middle of all of this, Lord, they would know your strength. They would know your power, God. They would know your presence, Lord, I just pray that you would bring that peace into their hearts right now, God, as only you are able to do in our lives. And we give you thanks and praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Now, could we give the Lord praise in here this morning one more time? Amen. We serve a big God. We serve a, a great God, and I am so blessed to be able to serve and walk with Him. I'm honored to be with you today and to help you celebrate uh, Pastor Mike and Kelly and the work that they're doing here at the Harbor Worship Center. 22 years in Kingsland. Uh, that is a great commitment to ministry. Uh, the average pastor stays a little over three years. So to have a pastor who stayed 22 years is a testament of his vision and his burden and his passion for you and for this community. So once again, Pastor Mike, thank you for your leadership and uh, your work here in... Uh, in the area. Uh, I, I want to I start, as we're talking about pastor appreciation, I've, I've got some, uh, some signs I want to show you, but they showed me these back there in the back, and I couldn't resist um, the, uh, the giant pastor Mike head. Uh, and I don't know if you saw these in the back. I told Josh I think they brought them in too soon, so I wanted to make sure that everybody had a chance to see them. There's a Sister Kelly somewhere Yeah, I'm going to put her in front. Hers is better looking. So, uh, so for those of you that didn't see these in the back, these are the uh, giant heads that you can get your picture taken with, I think, right? So you can, we'll make sure we get them back there for you. Get a picture uh, as, uh, as Sister Kelly or, uh, we need a wig on this. <laughs> as, as Pastor Mike without the wig. Uh, but we, we need a, a wig on that. Let me show you some signs. These are churches that, that appreciate their pastors. Uh, having trouble sleeping, uh, we have sermons. Come hear one. That's good. Best sausage supper in St. Louis. Come eat Pastor Thomas. Our pastor is Irish, but there's no Blarney inside. 
I like that one. Uh, bring, your, bring your spiritual marshmallows. Our pastor is on fire. Now, now's a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. <laughs> Call 911. Our pastor is on fire. Come here, our pastor. He's not very good, but he's short. Uh, do you know what hell is? Come here, our preacher. That's, that's a good one. You know, sometimes pastoring can be a little stressful. Uh, this guy said, uh, Pastor, church isn't stressful. I'm 42 and, and feeling great. Uh, there's uh, some statistics here. I, wanna, I, I won't read them all. I just want to share a few of them with you about kind of the pressures and the stresses of, of, of pastoring. Um, 80% believe that pastoring's affected their families in a negative way. That's, that's, that's terrible. Uh, 50% unable to meet the needs of the job. 70% say they have a lower self-esteem now than when they started. Well, you know what? Church folk can be tough. We can be tough sometimes on, on people. Um, 40% now, I'm gonna, I've got to confess, I t- I, in the early service, I, I said that was you guys were the 40%, but since I'm with you in this service, I'm going to say this is the early service people. 40% reported serious conflict with a parishioner at least once a month. And 70% do not have someone they consider a close friend. So I say that to say this. Your pastor is one of the leaders here in the state and, and serves on a, our state ministerial development board that helps young pastors who, who raises up young leaders and pastors in our church. And, and so he's helping turn the tide of these statistics. He's part of the solution of trying to help churches understand the, the value of their pastor and help pastors understand the role that they serve as pastoring a local congregation and the responsibilities that, that they have. This is not a job, it's a calling. Uh, Josh made that clear when he shared the testimony of pastor. Pastor didn't want to do this. Uh, it's God's called him to do this. Uh, it seems glamorous sometimes from the outside, but the behind-the-scenes sacrifices are not as glamorous as they seem on the, on the upside. And so if it's just a job, uh, they're, they're never, you're never going to fully dedicate yourself to it because you're not going to be willing to sacrifice what it takes to be a part of it. And so it's a, it's a calling. And so pastors helping ministers around the state fulfill that calling and find their place. And so I appreciate your leadership, Mike. Thanks for all that you do to help other pastors to, to realize the potential that God's placed in them and to be the men and women that God's called them to be and for your leadership here in the state. And so what I want to do this morning is real simple. I want, I want to break this down into two pieces. I want to break it down into kind of what the pastor's responsibility to us is. Now, it's not going to be exhaustive. I, I, obviously, there's all kinds of stuff that pastors do. Uh, I just want to focus in on three things. And then I want to kind of look at what is our response to that? How do we as, as church folk, how can we help pastor fulfill the vision that God's placed in his heart? That's kind of where I want to go this morning. So we'll start, first of all, the, the passage of Scripture I got for you is Habakkuk chapter 2. It's one of the small, minor prophets, just a couple of three chapters, I believe. It's a short passage book of Scripture. Uh, but there's some great truth in here on leadership and how we lead in the church today. And the Lord said to me, write the vision plainly on the tablet so a runner can carry the correct message to others. Future time, it describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place 
it will not be delayed. Now, this is a passage of Scripture that is often preached and used and talked about in conjunction with vision for a church. But there's two important things that happen prior to chapter 2, verse 2. The first is in chapter 1, verse 1. Because in chapter 1, verse 1, it said God gave a burden, the burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. Every vision begins with a burden. Every great ministry is birthed from burden. Every pastor who's called to a place is called there by a burden. And so I would say to you this morning that the first requirement of a shepherd is that a shepherd have a burden. If you don't have a burden for a place, then you don't need to be there. If you're there out of obligation, if you're there out of paycheck, then you don't need to be there. Burden says you go regardless of the circumstances. Burden says you leave a church that's running 125 and pays a full-time salary and doesn't owe any money, and you go to a place that owes a whole lot of money and doesn't have any people and doesn't have any salary. That's burden. Burden calls you to go to places that common sense probably would say that's probably not the right decision to make. Against the advice of those that are looking on the outside, burden says, go anyway, and when you go, I'll do something with you and through you in that place. So a pastor has a burden. Now in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul kind of unpacks what that means for a pastor, for a minister. He says that we're to be considered as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And that we're to be faithful, faithful to the burden. Now a great part of this passage of Scripture is that that word servant literally means under rower. If you've watched the movie Ben-Hur and you've seen them in the bottom of the boat and they're, they're sitting down there and they're rowing those oars in the bottom of the boat. I think I've got a picture of it. It's where they're sitting there and they, they don't see even where they're going. All they do is row the boat. They don't determine the speed of the boat. They don't determine the direction of the boat. All they do is what the captain of the ship instructs them to do. And can I submit to you this morning, he's not the captain of the ship. He's not at the helm steering this boat and this ship in the direction that he wants it to go. He is simply an under rower of Jesus Christ. And that the Lord himself is the captain of the ship. And the pastor of the church simply goes where God tells him to go. He's a steward. He doesn't own this. God owns this. This doesn't belong to him. This belongs to God. All that's been accomplished here and everything that this church has done is not at the hands of Mike Sains. It's at the hand of God. It's God that receives glory for the good things that he has done. Amen? It's the burden that God placed and birthed in the heart of the pastor. So there's got to be burden. But in verse 1 of chapter 2, before we got to our verse, in verse 1 it says that the prophet Habakkuk climbed up on the watchtower and stand guard on his post, and he said, I will wait and see what the Lord says and how he will answer. Here's number two. First of all, the pastor's got to have a burden. But secondly, the pastor's got to be an intercessor. The role of the pastor is to pray for you, to stand with you. Pastor Josh mentioned it, those times when he's been at the bedside of your loved ones, at times when he's been at the hospital with some of you sitting in this room this morning, because his role is that of an intercessor. Paul said, I give thanks and remembrance as I, pray, as, I, as I remember you in my prayers. The pastor's always praying for the congregation, interceding for you, for when those times when you're going through those difficulties. 
and nobody else may know about it. Nobody else may know what you're going through, but you've picked up the phone and you've said, Pastor, can you pray for me? He intercedes for the congregation. There's a great picture of this role of intercession in Exodus when it talks about Moses and the the people of Amalek came and attacked Israel as they, they're marching. Now catch this, they're marching toward the promised land. They're, they're going toward the promise that God has made for them. And as they're, as they're marching toward the fulfillment of the promise or the vision, the enemy comes and attacks them. And in that attack, the Bible says that Moses stood up on the hill and when he raised his hands up, they, they won in battle. When his hands came down, they lost in battle. And so those that were around him, Aaron and Hur, held up his hands, and they ended up winning the victory that day. I'm sure that many of you are familiar with that story. But in Deuteronomy chapter 4, it says that when Amalek came, they attacked at the rear of the ranks. It was in the back. It was where the slow folk were. Any slow folk here this morning? Yeah, the slow folk. Probably the sick people. Probably the elderly. The folks that can't go as fast as some of the others. But here's the thing about the leader. You see, we come and we celebrate and we're in the front and we see the vision being fulfilled and we're excited about what God's doing and we're all celebrating and we're, we're thanking God that the vision is being fulfilled and we're seeing God do all of these amazing things. But we forget that there are some folks still in the back of the ranks back there. There are some folks that are struggling still. There are some folks that hadn't gotten up to the front of the line yet. And the pastor's responsibility, not only does he celebrate with those in the front, but he's got to hold the hand of those that are back in the back. Brothers and sisters, he's called to be your intercessor. To pray for us. And to stand with us. And to make sure that no one is left behind. Let's roll the pastor. So he has a burden. He, has, he, has, he intercedes for us. And then it brings us to where our passage of Scripture takes us. He has vision. He, he casts the vision for the church. God speaks through the leader to give vision to the rest of us. Now, let me just check in with you. You know what the vision here is? It's red. Right? You with me? Red, reach, educate. And then I, I shared it this morning, the military coming out and him deploy. That's the vision. And the Bible says write it down and make it plain so that everybody can understand it. Do you, we understand that, right? We understand what the, the call of this church is. The pastor has cast the vision for this church. We're going to reach this community. We're going to make a difference where God has planted us in this county. That's the vision of this church. We're going to educate, and we're going to go out, and we're going to make a difference where we are. That's the vision. Write it down and make it plain. So if the pastor's role is the burden to be, the burden to be birthed through the Holy Spirit into his life, he has a burden for the church, and he, he's an intercessor for the church, and God plants the vision for the church in him. What's our responsibility? Well, it's real simple. We're going to look at it real quick. At Habakkuk chapter 2, there's three or four things I want to share with you. First of all, we've got to run with the vision. Somebody's got to do something with it. I can have all the vision in the world, but if no one else buys into it, it makes no difference. You with me? Someone has got to run with the vision. Someone's got to say, I will go. I'll reach. I'll educate. I'll be deployed. I'll be one of those that will fulfill the vision that God has in your heart for this community. We've got to have runners. So how do we run? It's, it's Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says we have this great cloud of witnesses and examples for us. So how do, we need to, how do we take this vision? We must first of all get rid of everything 
in our own lives that slows us down. Now, the King James Version says, lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us or pull us aside. Listen to me, before we can ever do anything significant for the kingdom of God, we got to get the, own ju- the junk out of our own lives first. You can't be carrying around baggage and telling other people how to get baggage out of their lives. You can't be broken and tell other people how to be fixed. You've got to get the stuff out of your own life first. Before you can ever be a beacon of hope to the lost and hurting in this world, you first of all have got to be somebody who's been set free and delivered by the power of Jesus Christ. We've got to get it out of our own lives. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. The church is too full of Christians that are still carrying around a bunch of junk. we got to get rid of the junk. we got to lay it aside or we'll never successfully impact this world for Jesus Christ. And he said we also got to be determined to run the race that is set before us or run with endurance or run with, with patience, I believe the King James Version says. Because here's the thing about vision. It doesn't happen immediately. Here's the thing about the journey with Christ. It doesn't happen immediately. There are going to be good days, and there's going to be bad days, and there's going to be times when you see it all coming together, and you're excited, and you're thinking, this is the way it's supposed to be. But there are going to be days when nothing comes together, and nothing looks like it's supposed to look, and nothing comes like it's supposed to come. And on those days, you've simply got to be determined that regardless of whether I see it or I don't, whether it makes sense to me or it does not, I'm simply going to be faithful to the call that God's placed on my life and continue to be determined to run this race that He's placed me in. We've got to run with determination. When I was pastoring in Chicago, we pastored there for several years, actually, and um, we had a lady in our church, her name was uh, Barb, and on some Sundays, pastor, she'd be on the front row, and man, she was the best worshiper in the house. She'd dance and sing and wave her hands and just worship. The next Sunday, she'd be on the back row of the balcony. You couldn't hardly even see her back there. And I don't care, the worship could be amazing, and she'd, she wouldn't even stand up. She'd sit back there with her arms crossed. Billy Graham could be preaching. And about halfway through, she'd get up and walk out. So I asked her, I said, what's up with that? What's up with the, uh, you know, some Sundays it's great, and other Sundays it's kind of, and here's what she said. She said, Pastor, I ain't going to be like the rest of y'all hypocrites. <laughs> she said, if I've had a good week... I'm going to come worship. But if it's been bad, I ain't going to come to church and act like nothing's wrong and just worship my, lift my hands and worship Him anyway. And I said to her, it doesn't matter if it's been good or bad. It doesn't matter if my life is in shambles or my life is in perfect condition. Jesus is worthy of my worship and my praise. Amen. I don't worship him because I've had a good week. I don't come in here and lift my hands because everything's going good. I come in here and lift my hands and worship him because he is worthy of my worship and my praise. Amen. So I got to run with determination that regardless 
of how my life's going. I'm going to stand and worship and be an example of a child of God who has been set free from sin. We've got to run determination. And then finally, he said, we've got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Listen, I love Pastor Mike. He's like a renaissance man. Pastor's a great church. Wood, does Woodworking. Who does that? Jumps out of airplanes and para, para, is a parachute instructor or whatever you call him. Who, who does that? It's like a renaissance man. I love him. One of our leading pastors in the state. But you know what? My eyes aren't on Mike Sainz. I appreciate all that God's, that he's done here in, in Kingsland Harbor Worship Center. But my eyes aren't on him. Because it's not about him. It's about him. Amen. Amen. And, and I don't know if you've noticed them. That they're uncomfortable with this even being pastor appreciation. Because they know it's not about them. It's about him and everything that's happened here that's good. And everything that's happened here that's praiseworthy. And everything that's happened at this church in the 22 years since they've been here. That you could give any kind of recognition for. They would be the first to tell you it's not because of them. But it's because of Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters we can never take our eyes off of him. And doctor, you mentioned it earlier. There are pastors who walk around like they're kings of the world. Can I tell you something? There is no king except the king of kings. And our eyes must always be on him. It's about Jesus. He's the reason we do what we do. Now listen, brothers and sisters, and I, I, I'm hesitant to say this because it's not an indictment on, on Mike at all. But the moment we put our eyes on a man and take our eyes off of him, you're you are putting yourself in a position for your relationship with Him to be in jeopardy. Because man is always going to let you down. And they're always going to... They're human pastors. I know. Listen, I know this is going to be a shock to some of y'all. Pastors are human too. And they're going to do stuff you don't like. Ask my wife. Ask Kelly. Ask my wife. She'll tell you. Listen, it's, they're human. That's why we've got to run with our eyes on, on Jesus. It's got to be about Him. Now, look at this uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 3. Look at this as, as we wrap up, and then I want to share a couple other verses of Scripture with you. This vision is for a future time. It describes it, and it will be fulfilled. It seems slow and coming. Wait patiently. It will surely take place. It will come at the right time. Now, let me just throw this out there about vision. See, vision's not like a picture, a photograph. A photograph's a, one, a one-time thing. You go back and you look at what God did. You can see something that he did. You can look at a part, a, a portion of your life or at a place in your history and see what you did. But vision is like a video. It's, it's, it's ongoing. It's moving. It's, it's changing. It's, it's expanding. It's growing. Vision is alive. It's not what God did. Vision's about what God's doing. Amen? A picture says this is what he did. Vision says this is what he's going to do. And so when you, when you look at this verse of Scripture, the, the prophet encourages us to not get discouraged if we don't see the fulfillment of the vision immediately. Because here's how we are. We want immediate gratification. I don't know about you, 
But listen, if I'm sick, Mike, I don't, I want to be right then and I don't want to hang around for a few days. I hate it when pastors say, listen, God will see you through this. You know, it may take a year or so, but eventually, well, I'm like, well, I don't want a year or so. I want like an hour or so. If I've got financial problems, I want one of you rich folk to drop some money out beside my car out there, you know, and I just, on my way out today, I scoop up the wet dollars in my, my money, you know. But God doesn't always work that way. But here's, I'm, I am absolutely convinced of this. I think sometimes we prolong our difficulties because we struggle with God to get out rather than trusting God to see us through. And, and there's a vast difference between getting out and getting through. Because getting out says, I, I don't want to learn anything in the process. I just want to get to the finish. Getting through says, God, there's a reason why I'm in the journey. And I want to get there. Can I tell you, there are some folks that won't get on board until you get to the finish line. God's looking for people who will be in the journey. God's looking for people who will say, I'll do it right now. Now listen, I, I hate to confess this. I am a connoisseur of McDonald's. I love that place. I, I do. Now, I, I run to compensate my McDonald's craving. Now, Lori hates McDonald's. She never goes with me. I have to go by myself. She never goes with me. But I travel a lot, so I, I drive through a lot. In fact, I run marathons. I'm, I, I've, I'm at seven, I think I've done 72 now. And a, after every marathon, with the exception of maybe four or five, I know this is going to sound horrible, I go to McDonald's. It's a true story. I swing by McDonald's drive through I get a number one, cut in half, because you can't drive and eat a full, uh, number one, for those of you that aren't McDonald's connoisseurs, that's a Big Mac. I get it cut in half because you can't drive and eat a Big Mac. And I get it with no lettuce, because lettuce gets in the car, and Lori knows I've had McDonald's, so I get it no lettuce. It's true, very true. And then for those of you that are on diets, I get a Diet Coke, because that offsets the French fries. So we're at McDonald's. Lori begrudgingly is with me, and I'm fussing about it taking forever to get through the drive-thru. She said, it's only been a couple of minutes. You just need to calm down. And I said, honey, it's not called sit-through. It's called drive-through. You want to get, they make it so simple, it's just numbers. You go to the first little window, and you don't even come to a complete stop. Number one, Diet Coke, thank you. Cut in half, no lettuce, and then you keep on going. You go to the next window, you want to exchange cash, and I always say, because I know exactly how much mine costs, I always say, put the change in the little Ronald McDonald House box. So I, as I'm going by the window, I give them the money, put the change in the Ronald McDonald House bus, box, and I just keep on going. I don't want to be hanging out there at the McDonald's drive-thru. Somebody may see me. And can I tell you something, brothers and sisters? That's exactly how we treat God. We, we want to roll up to that drive through window and we want to say, God, this is my, th I want it right now. This is what I want. I want it as quick as you can give it to me and I'll see you next time I'm hungry again. And can I tell you something? God doesn't operate like that. The vision isn't born like that. It's not fulfilled like that. His work isn't accomplished like that. We won't get it like that. We can't. Treat God like a fast food restaurant. It's in his time. And so we've got to be faithful to the vision, knowing that God will one day fulfill the vision. Amen. It may not, you may not see it today. You only see parts. This isn't the vision. 
The vision's not finished here yet. You only see part of the vision. God's not finished at the Harbor Worship Center yet. Amen. He's got bigger plans for this church. He's got greater plans for this church. We just have to be faithful in the journey. Amen. Let me give you a couple of more scriptures, and I'm going to wrap up. Look at this one right here. This is a great, great verse of scripture, Hebrews chapter 13. Follow your leaders, submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who have to give an account. They are responsible to give an account to God for how they shepherd you. Large responsibility. Let them do this with joy, not with groaning, for that would be no advantage to you. Okay, so number one, we've got to run with the, with, with the vision. Here's number two. We've got to make his job enjoyable. Do you see that? Let them do it with joy, not with groaning. In other words, you decide how much he enjoys doing what he does. That's up to you. You can make... Now listen, my job is dealing with pastors. I know you, listen, you think your job's tough. Come on. I deal with pastors. You can make their lives miserable. Or, you can make their ministry a joy. And the author of Hebrews says, what does it gain you, what does it gain you to make them miserable? I would much rather have a pastor who's full of joy and excited about the place God's planted him and loves what he's doing and loves the people that he's doing it with and loves the journey that he's on. I'd much rather him be filled with joy than dread over what he's doing. And you determine that. Wow, that, okay, that, that's better than y'all received it. Okay, let me just show you this last thing here. Look at, look at this. I love this on getting a new pastor. Not that you're in the market for one, but I, I love this. The perfect pastor preaches exactly 10 minutes. Okay, now by that laughter, I'm assuming you go longer than 10 minutes, but just I'm just assuming. He can then sin roundly, but never hurts anyone's feelings. He works from 8 a.m. until midnight. He's also the church janitor. Makes 100 bucks a week, wears expensive clothes, drives an expensive car, buys good books, and donates 30 a week to the church. He's 29 years old and has 40 years of experience. Above all, he's handsome with a great head of hair. I just added that. Mike, I just added that one in. I, I had to. He has a burning desire to work with teenagers, but spends most of his time with the senior citizens. Smiles all the time with a straight face because he has a sense of humor that keeps him seriously dedicated to his church. He makes 15 home visits a day. He's always in the office to be handy when needed. The perfect pastor always has time for church council and all of its committees. He never misses a meeting of any church organization. Is always busy evangelizing the lost. The perfect pastor is always in the next church over. If your pastor doesn't measure up, simply send this notice to six other churches that are tired of their pastor too. Then bundle up your pastor and send him to the church at the top of the list. If everyone cooperates in one week, you will receive 1,643 pastors. One of them should be perfect. Have faith in this letter. One church broke the chain and got its old pastor back in less than three months. <laughs> I love that. All right, last verse of Scripture. Look at this here. 
in Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, friends, we ask you to honor those who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Look at this last sentence. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Okay, so what, how, do we, how do we respond to the, the pastor in our church? Well, we run with the vision. We make his journey joyful. Here's the third thing we can do. We can overwhelm them with appreciation and love. He didn't say just appreciate them. He said overwhelm them with appreciation and love. Not just on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. And thank you for a church that does pastor. Not every church even does Pastor Appreciation Sundays. Some churches don't even like their pastors, let alone appreciate them. But listen, overwhelm them with appreciation and with love. Let them know that you love and appreciate them. Let them know the difference that they make in your life. You, you may think to yourself, oh, they know. You know, sometimes it's just nice to hear. We appreciate what you're doing, Pastor. Thank you for investing in my family and in me. Sometimes it's just good to hear that you're loved and appreciated by somebody else. Amen. Stand with me if you would. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Mike and Sister Kelly to come on up. In fact, I think if we, and I don't know if Blake, yeah, Blake, if the staff would just come up with them. Would you guys all come up as well? And, and Adam and, and Josh and if you guys would come and, and Ashley and Kelsey, if you guys want to come as well and stand up here with them. Um, we're going to have prayer for Pastor before we dismiss this morning. And I, I want, we're going to pray for the staff too. Um, but could we one more time let this group know how much we appreciate them shepherding this church and leading this church? Amen. Here, here's how I'm going to do this so that you'll, you'll remember this when you pray. Now, I broke my umbrella this morning. The wind was so hard outside, it, it won't stay up, so I'm going to have to hold it up with my hand. But I want to show you real quick. Now, I mentioned in the early service for all of you superstitious folk out there, first of all, shame on you because we don't believe in that stuff. Amen? I'm, that's not what we believe in. But uh, this is actually a uh, Church of God umbrella, so you can actually open that up inside of a building. So it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual umbrella. But, but, but I want you to get the picture of, of what I'm asking you to do this morning. Not just for, for Pastor and Kelly, but for, for the staff. When you pray, you're praying a covering over your leadership team. You're praying, God, put a covering over my pastor. Put a covering over his family. Pray for, pray for his, his, his health. Pray for his finances. Pray for his, his mental health. Pray for him physically. Pray that... Well, I didn't mean it like that, but I mean, you know. Okay, see, now when you look at this, you've got to say mental health, but that, I ain't going to say where that looks like that came from. But when you're, you're praying a covering over your pastor, and you're praying for specific areas of his life, praying for his finances, shame on us if we don't want him to be blessed. Shame on us if we don't want to honor him. Pray that God will bless his finances. Pray that God will bless his family. Pray that God will bless his marriage and his children and his grandchildren. Pray that God will give him a fresh anointing. Pray that God will continue to give him a fresh vision. Pray that God will keep it fresh in his life. Your responsibility is to cover them. 
God's called you to cover them. Amen? That's what God's called you to do. They're praying for you, but God's called you to pray for them. And so listen to me, brothers and sisters. I know life's busy. I know stuff. But shame on us if we don't take the time. And I'm not going to impose daily on you. I, I hope that you do. But if we don't take the time every once in a while just to whisper a prayer for those that God's blessed us with. And just ask God to give them strength. We don't know what they go through. We don't know the burden that they carry. So what we can do is we can cover them in our prayers and our support. Amen. Here's I want you to stretch your hand this way. We're going to pray for Pastor Kelly and this staff. We're just going to ask God to touch them. We're going to ask God to anoint him. I don't know about you. I believe greater days are ahead. You haven't seen the best yet. Amen. The best is the best is in front of you, not behind you. The best is still to come. And I believe God has anointed them to take you there. Do you believe that with me? Let's pray for him. Father, we thank you for this leadership team. God, we thank you that you've given this church a shepherd who loves this church, this community, this county. And God has planted here for the long haul. God, we give praise to you today for what you've already done in this church. But God, we give you praise today for what you're going to do. The vision hasn't been fulfilled yet, God. But we know it will happen. And so, God, today we pray for Pastor Mike. We pray for Kelly. We pray for Adam and Josh and Blake and this leadership team. And we ask you, God, to give them strength and give them anointing and give them vision. And God, give them faith, Lord. Direct their steps as they direct this church. And Lord, I just feel in my heart to pray this morning. I pray for financial blessing in this church. Lord, send someone. Send someone to pay off the indebtedness that we have on this property, God. That we may go forward and do the next phase that you've called this church to do. God, we believe it this morning. We agree together for a financial miracle to come into this church. To meet the needs that this church has to reach this community. God, we give you thanks and praise for your blessings. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give God praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And before I turn it back over to them, here's what I want us to do. We, I mentioned earlier this morning when we first started, if some of you might be going through some stuff, here, here's what I want you to do. If that's you, if you're just going through some stuff, I'm going to have you come down front. We're already out of time, but just right where you're standing, if you just lift your hand and say, Gary, I'm going through some stuff. And before we go this morning, I want you just to we're going to have prayer for you. We just lift your hand. Are there others' hands are going up? Are there others this morning? You're just going through some stuff. Listen, if you're standing by somebody and you feel comfortable, do it. Just put your hand right there on their shoulder. We're going to pray together, and we're going to pray for every hand that's raised in this building. Would you do it with me? We don't know what they're going through. We don't know what the circumstances are, but here's what I do know. I know we serve a God who is bigger. I know we serve a God who is able. So right now, everyone that's got their hands raised, we're going to pray for you. Pray with me. Father, you see every hand that is raised, and you see those that aren't. And Lord, I pray for these needs right now. God, I pray. In the name of Jesus, Lord, heal that sick body. Meet that financial need. Heal that broken home. God, there's nothing impossible for you. And so, Lord, we just ask you right now to work miracles among us. Oh, God, the testimonies will be given next week of the miracles that you work right here on Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Oh, God, minister. Minister. 
every person who's in need here this morning. We stand in intercession with them and ask you to touch them. We know that you are able. Nothing's impossible for you. And God, we give you glory. We give you praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name, amen. 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 How many of y'all love Brother Gary? Y'all give him a big hand clap.